We are drawn to the experiences which take us away from the pressures and busyness of our everyday lives and open us to the sights, smells, and landscapes where we can reconnect with the living God. We're drawn to the environments which push us to be more than what we've always been. We long to connect to the past and have direction for the future. Imagine, if you will, waking up in a small room in the old town of Nazareth. You can hear the chirping of the birds through the open window where the wind makes the curtains dance. Smells of coffee, cardamom, and the frying of pancakes quicken your excitement about the day. You take your backpack to the breakfast room where you join other guests ready for the day's hike. You wish one another a good hike knowing that you'll probably meet up along the way and plan to meet for pizza in Cana that night. After breakfast, you wander through the old ancient market. Shopkeepers are just opening up and they're singing as they open their doors and set out trays of fragrant spices, figs, dates, olives, and fruits you've never seen before. One shop owner, he invites you to look at the religious trinkets from the Holy Land. There always seems to be a connection between pilgrimage and commerce. You smile as you follow the winding, narrow streets and remember how your host at the hotel had laughed and said, the city planners for Nazareth were the donkeys. Leaving the city, you walk through an agricultural area with fresh planted crops. You see a spring where persons are filling up water jugs. These yellow dots you've been following lead you to a forest. The shade feels good. The trail takes you to Zippori, a Roman city which was being constructed during the time of Jesus. As you walk, you ponder, wondering perhaps if Joseph and Jesus and other tradesmen from Nazareth made this walk every day for work. While at the National Archaeological Park, you take a lunch break. Afterward, you wander through the vast ruins. You find a synagogue, which was the center of Jewish life after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Maybe Jesus read scripture here or even helped build it. You marvel at the beautiful tile floors, which are 2,000 years old. Finally, after exploring this archaeological site, you get back on the trail and start walking to Cana, where that evening you will celebrate with your pilgrim friends and meet more Palestinian Christians. What a gift it is to walk where Jesus walked and to think about how Jesus had walked with his disciples to Cana for a wedding. What I'm describing here is the first day of the Jesus Trail pilgrimage from Nazareth to Capernaum. I'm Dale Clem, and today I'm sharing with you some of the things I'm learning about Christian pilgrimage. It seems only natural that followers of Christ would develop ways they could get close to God. While some Christians believe that there are liminal places which are more sacred than others, such as Jerusalem or Rome or the tombs of saints or martyrs, other Christians believe with St. Paul that God does not dwell in temples made with hands, but Christians themselves are the temples of the living God. Jesus did say that the kingdom of God is within you. And in a conversation Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well in the shadow of Mount Gerizim, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say people must worship in Jerusalem. But Jesus corrects her and says, God isn't to be worshipped in Jerusalem 
or on Mount Gerizim, but in spirit and truth. These ideas influenced the early church, and they colored the opinions of writers such as Justin Martyr and Clement of Alexandria as they attempted to show that Christianity was different from Judaism, where believers worshipped God in one place, the temple. They emphasized that Christians could worship God at all times and in all places. However, after Emperor Constantine's mother Helena visited sites in the Holy Land in 321 and Constantine built churches at these sites, the Holy Spirit seemed to move the devoted to want to visit them. The first diary of a pilgrim to the Holy Land that we have was an anonymous pilgrim from Bordeaux in the year 333. Another diary was from a woman named Egeria who visited the Holy Land and other holy places from 381 to 385. From these accounts, it seems there were a number of persons wanting to get close to God through pilgrimages, not only to the sites, but to meet the holy people who lived there. I agree that we can worship God anytime, anywhere, but when we make those efforts to connect with God and are standing in sacred sites or with holy people, then we may be more receptive to hear and experience the divine. Pilgrimage gives us a structure, symbols, and a process to break away from our ordinary lives and make space to discover the living God within us. Pilgrims often share how the pilgrimage brought healing to their brokenness and restored their faith. I wonder if this occurs because of the faith and energy they bring to the pilgrimage. Walking in nature has its own healing power, and laughing and singing with pilgrim friends can be as restorative as singing the stones and hills or places themselves. When our family walked the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain, we were amazed at how easily we could talk to other strangers and share our doubts and hopes and deep thoughts as we walked. We helped one another with medicine, advice on treating blisters and where to stay. At the hostel, sometimes someone would bring out a guitar and a group would gather to sing. When we finally entered the cathedral in Santiago, we felt elation that after two weeks of walking, we had made it. We were so grateful for the blessings that we had received along the way. When you're on a pilgrimage, you're intentionally putting yourselves in the hands of God. There is no instant gratification when the destination is weeks or hundreds of miles away. Walking is slow. Japanese theologian and pastor Koyama wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God, where he said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we're accustomed. I love this because I'm a walker. When we walk at three miles an hour, we're giving our bodies and souls a rest from inner distractions. Walking allows space for us to forget our everyday lives and loosens our minds so that we can experience God's presence and call. It's a gift to be released from the urges to check our phones, emails, and social media. Without these distractions, we can focus on God's presence at a deeper, uninterrupted level. On our pilgrimage, we may have a destination or goal, such as a holy site or visiting a holy person, but the inner journey and process of getting there is equally important. All around the world each year, pilgrims travel to sites where Mary, the mother of Jesus, has appeared, 
Whether it's in Lourdes, in France, or Guadalupe in Mexico, or the dozens of other places where ordinary people have discovered a buried statue of Mary or a canvas with Mary's image on it or seen a vision, these events inspire the faithful. It is reassuring to have evidence that your religion is still infused with supernatural power and grace. Ordinary people go on pilgrimages seeking an encounter with God that is beyond the home. I was amazed to see the thousands of people lined up to pray before the Virgin of Guadalupe on the outskirts of Mexico City. When we lived in Lithuania, there was a black Madonna in a chapel over an old city gate where many people had been healed over the years. On the walls of that chapel hung the silver-shaped ears, leg, arms, and heart, all given to the chapel in thanks for that particular body part which was healed there. Who among us doesn't have some bit of brokenness which is in need of healing? Sometimes we long for physical healing, and others may desire healing of resentments or memories. I have visited a number of places where persons have been healed, and I found myself on my knees earnestly praying for healing for myself or others. It was inspiring to be in a place where a miracle had occurred and may happen again. You know, in our reasonable and scientific age, we sometimes lose the imagination and believe that God has done miracles in the past and may do them again. Sometimes in our quest to be rational, we lose our spiritual sensibilities. I remember a scientist who went with a group I led to retrace the journeys of Paul in Turkey and Greece. We started out in Taurus, where Paul was born in modern-day Turkey. And by the end of our trip in Athens, this scientist said to me, Well, Dale, I think Paul really did exist. I did not even know he had doubted the stories. But by visiting the places and retelling the stories and miracles which occurred in each place, his faith was rejuvenated. Another type of pilgrimage is delving into history for learning and healing. Many of us have visited sites of the Civil Rights Trail in Selma, Montgomery, Birmingham, Atlanta, or Memphis. Learning about the civil rights struggles are a painful yet important part of our history and necessary for understanding and healing. I couldn't help but be moved when I visited the Legacy Museum in Montgomery learning about the transatlantic slave trade and the terror of post-slavery America at the lynching memorial. Looking at Martin Luther King's hotel room in Memphis at the Lorraine Hotel and standing on the balcony where he was shot was just so sobering. It made the sad event real for me. To learn how African Americans weren't able to get loans for their homes or how they were forced to move off their land because others wanted it was just so humbling. Was visiting these sites a pilgrimage? Well, these things make up a pilgrimage. I was certainly away from home and was detached from my ordinary life. I was disoriented by what I learned. Because I came as a Christian with a desire for justice, I was humbled and moved not to think just about myself, but on God and what God was trying to say to me through these sights. I remember at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, after walking across the bridge, I went into a little shop and had a wonderful conversation with an African-American woman working there. The warmth and connection we made was healing. I bought something to support her shop, and then I was surprised when she gave me a gift. In a loving way, she encouraged me to help work for a more just America. 
I've made and led pilgrimages to the Holy Land where the Bible has come alive for us as we remembered and prayed in the sites where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth and was baptized in the Jordan, taught in the villages and synagogues of the Galilee region, went to Bethany, the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, Golgotha, and a place of resurrection. I am a different Christian because I have been a pilgrim there. I've also backpacked the Jesus Trail twice from Nazareth to Capernaum. It wasn't easy, like the day we walked in the mud and it just kept packing on our shoes, or the times I went the wrong way. I always had unexpected surprises, like the Palestinian man who saw us and just ran to the street and introduced himself, and he said, I'm a Palestinian, and I live here in Israel, and I just want you to know we get along. People think we're always fighting, so I wanted you to know that what you hear on the news isn't the whole story. On my last trip, after hiking to Capernaum, I tried to hike around the Sea of Galilee. But the rain and the flooding shifted me to move from the trail at the sea up to the road. I was praying and asking God whether I should continue this hike or not. About 20 minutes later, a car pulled up and a woman rolled down a window and said, Get in, you have no business being in this rain. Well, that was my message from God. I did, and she drove me to a covered bus stop where I then took a bus to Tiberias and another to Jerusalem. I ended up on a different adventure to Shechem, modern-day Nablus, where I met an amazing holy priest at Jacob's Well and then climbed up Mount Gerizim where I met an interesting Samaritan priest who was preparing to have a Passover sacrifice and, sl- and slaughter animals. I didn't even know people did that still today. This tour was certainly not in my plan, but it was an unexpected surprise. Maybe you're like me and have felt a call, a desire, a longing to get your faith out of your head and into your body. Protestantism, I think, has sometimes become a religion of right answers and words and emphasize belief more than faith. Faith, however, is an event. It's an experience of the Holy Spirit. Pilgrimage can give us the space to practice our faith as an event. My life has been transformed over and over again as I've been blessed to meet people in other cultures who offered me hospitality, who shared with me their stories. I have a question for you. Do you have a yearning, a desire to be in the hands of the living God? Perhaps your soul is longing to go on a pilgrimage. If so, I'd love to talk to you about it. When Muslims conquered Spain in the 8th century, Christians adopted the Arabic language and culture, but they continued to practice their Christian faith. In the year 812, this prayer was recorded, which conveys, I think, the essence of what it means to be called forth on a pilgrimage. Would you pray with me? You call us from our settled ways, O God, out of old habits and rutted traditions. You call us into the land of promise, to new life and new possibilities. Make us strong to travel the road ahead. Deliver us from false security and comfort, desire for ease and uninvolved days. That your word and spirit dwell in us, that your will may be fulfilled in us for the well-being and shalom of all. Amen.